0: Today's episode of SFF Yeah! is brought to you in part by Book Riot's Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read, and it's a great gift for readers this holiday season. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed-over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books, get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation and explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. Get one for yourself or for the readers in your life at bookriot.com slash journal. Welcome to SFF Yeah! A podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 68 and we're recording the day after Thanksgiving on November 29th I am Sharif Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today we're talking about mysteries in science fiction and fantasy.
1: Hello, hello. I am recording live from Arizona <laughs> where I am visiting family, so my sound is probably a little different. There are also multiple dogs in this uh, house where I am, so we might have some some guests <laughs> in the background. hopefully not. they seem pretty chill at the moment, but you never know. Well, are they robot dogs? I know, alas, for us, they are not robot dogs. I know, I'm sorry, I'm off theme, oh well. Uh, I do have a belly full of Thanksgiving leftovers, how about you? I do too, I actually had
0: a, my first Friendsgiving yesterday, and it was a Gothsgiving.
1: (gasps) Amazing.
0: (laughs) It was so fun, it was actually with a couple of our fellow book riot people and we dressed up in gothy outfits and listened to goth music and had a stuffed theme for thanksgiving
1: (laughs) (laughs) i am the most jealous right now that sounds fantastic You're always invited. Oh, thank you. I mean, my family is pretty great, too. There was a lot of ping pong, let's say, uh, and pie. So, like, I'm not... Ping pong
0: and pie. That's perfect. It's a good combination.
1: And dogs. So many dogs. Everybody has at least three dogs. So... (laughs) oh
0: that sounds like heaven it's
1: good it's good we we're all doing good so we hope everybody else listening had a good thanksgiving it's a week later since we were talking to you from the past right hopefully you still have some good leftovers maybe even i don't know i don't know all right let's see should i tell everybody about our first sponsor yeah, because it's exciting. It is exciting, <laughs> although I am so behind on this. But you hopefully are not. The Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi uh, by, from Fierce Reads is now out. It is the highly anticipated sequel to Children of Blood and Bone, which I know y'all have heard us talk about and lots of other places. Everybody's been talking about it since it came out. And it was uh, Children of Blood and Bone. The first book was proclaimed a best book of the year, by BuzzFeed, Bustle, NPR, and Paste, and it was a New York Times best-selling novel, so you know, lots going on. And this is the sequel that everybody has been eagerly awaiting, and mm-hmm. it is, you know, if you somehow have missed this, this is part of a fantasy series that has been described as Black Panther with magic, so that's very exciting. And it takes place in a fictional West African world inspired by Tommy's Nigerian roots. So, this is the kind of uh, fascinating exciting world building that we all love a movie is already in the works which I think I keep forgetting about and then getting excited about all over again <laughs> and and while you know this is obviously an exciting magic book it also deals with things like race and class and oppression so timely as well and yeah super excited for everybody who has already read the first one to get the second one in their hands and now is this is a good reminder for me, that I need to get on this series. So, again, that's Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi. And thank you to Fri- Fierce Reads for sponsoring the show. I'm so excited about that one. Yeah. Because... I, do you already
0: have it? No, I don't. I'm, you know, like on brand being bad about <laughs> finishing series, but I, that was a good reminder that I have to go pick it up and read it right away. Because... <laughs> i I need to know what happens mm-hmm, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right, so should we talk about? Do you want to talk about The
1: Mandalorian? Well, okay. Yeah, I kind of do. So, yes. <laughs> so if you, we are going to address some spoilers. And if you have somehow managed to remain unspoiled on the internet about The Mandalorian, like, first of all, my hat is off to you. Uh, because yeah. I don't know how you would have done that. And second of all, you might want to skip ahead. Because we are going to address some things about the show that are really fun to not know going into it. But I think really the entire internet is just just full of you know, animated GIFs of Baby Yoda. <laughs> I love Baby Yoda. So so The Mandalorian, if you did not know, is the sort of, I think it's the headlining show, really, on the new Disney Plus streaming service, mm-hmm. which I was not intending to sign up for. Like, I, <laughs> I already have both Netflix and Hulu, and I know, and like, I've been going back and forth on CBS All Access because I want the new Star Trek, but I just, there's only so many $5 a month things I can have in my life. And I just don't know if these are gonna make it into the long term slate. But then I figured out that because Verizon is my cell phone provider, yeah. I get it for free for a year. Like it's not—I'm not even a new Verizon customer. This is just a thing that if you log into your account, if you Google online, and I'll also drop a link in the show notes, you can you can just have it for a year. This is how they get you, folks. This is how they get you. <laughs> so so I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I, of course was like well i'm here i might as well watch this since i can and i am so i watched the first two episodes and in addition to there being an adorable baby version it's not actually yoda nor i I don't think it's like the child of yoda either we're just calling it baby yoda because it's the same type of creature as yoda and it's an adorable baby um But I, I actually really even just regardless of that, I love it because the tone of it feels to me very similar to the tone of the original series which is one of the Mm. things I liked about The Force Awakens. It felt to me much closer in like humor and vibe and action to the original trilogy than to like, you know, the Attack of the Clones, et cetera ones. So I'm a big fan of anything Mm. that feels like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is actually really compelling because I'm coming at this, by the way, as somebody who has not watched it at all because i am not a verizon customer so (laughs) i have been like trying to figure out how i get my free yeah um but i that actually makes me a lot more excited about watching it because i do feel a lot of the fatigue of like all of the newer stuff because it does not feel like what i originally kind Mm -hmm. of enjoyed about star wars so Hearing that makes me really want to find my way to Disney Plus now. Yeah. And Baby Yoda, not Baby Yoda. Right. I
1: mean, who can resist? And and the plot is that it's about a bounty hunter who is the Mandalorian, which is a is a kind of Star Wars person that i didn't know anything about other than that like boba fett was also a mandalorian but that's not who this is it's not boba fett it just looks like boba fett because of the armor and uh and he gets this bounty you know assignment that leads him to this baby creature that is the cutest thing in the world perhaps i mean i can't i could not handle it (laughs) it's too much it's too much and so then, so then Preethi Chipper, who is on the DC Geek Girls uh, podcast and who used to be part of the Book Riot family, was calling him the Dadalorian. And I was like, you have to stop. You're killing me. You have to stop. I can't. I can't. So. Well, now I can never unhear that. I know. I'm going to go into it. <laughs> sorry, and I not think sorry. I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's really entertaining. So, yeah, I, so again, I have only seen the first two episodes. I'm a little bit behind, but so far I'm really enjoying it. So,
0: that's. Is this one of those yeah. things where they're, re- so sorry, uh, where they're releasing it? episode by episode or is it all available yeah
1: it's episode by episode and the schedule was a little wonky and our suspicion is that they're tying in something that happens in the Mandalorian into The Rise of Skywalker which comes out soon
0: is our uh... that's our
1: suspicion as, as far as the timing of this goes because it's it's on a a little bit of a wonky schedule it's like sort of weekly but the day of the week changes depending on the week it's interesting oh yeah it's a okay. little odd so <laughs> but it is not a marathon show at the moment it is coming out one episode sort of at a time so yeah um pace yourself yeah exactly pace yourself so we but we have other star wars things
0: to talk about <laughs> we do oh i am so excited about this and i th- i think we're both like chef we both mm-hmm. love food and cooking and all the things. So when I saw these two, firstly, there are two different types of Star Wars themed cookware coming out or cooking tools and cookware. And the first one I saw, which was, you know, like exciting, but also I was immediately like, I'm never going to be able to afford it. So that's nice for whoever can. <laughs> is the There's the Star Wars La Crusette collection, which isn't even out yet. It is. And... Though. It
1: is. It is. Oh, it is. I oh, have okay. friends Last who time. have received all of these by this. Oh point. my goodness. Oh yes. Oh yes. Some wow. fancy, fancy friends.
0: Okay, so uh, then my I saw the Twitter link a while ago mm-hmm. because this actually came out a while ago. Um, the news about it, and at first it was like you know subscribe to our newsletter to find out leading up to it. Very exciting, and of course people were probably wanting this for the holidays, but. I was like, "Oh, Star Wars Le Crusette, that's really cool, but I like Le Crusette is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like maybe when I level up one day, I will <laughs> totally get it. But it looks like it's I can see a lot of people like investing in this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious to see if if your friends actually enjoy what they have received.
1: Yeah, I will I will try to get an update to see yeah. if anybody has cooked with them yet.
0: But the one that was really exciting to me, because I just got one of these for myself, not the Star Wars themed um, Instant Pot, but there are these Instant Pots that have come out and they're Star Wars themed. And some of them in this article that we'll link, some of them, of course, aren't as, I don't know, exciting to people as others. But when I saw the R2-D2 and BB-8 ones, I was like, oh my goodness, these are perfect. and I absolutely hope they make like the beeping booping sound yeah. like, because i would die every time i i would probably cook in my instant pot a lot more if i had one of these just because of the sheer cuteness of it all uh but i already got my instant pot and i was so enraged when i saw this news <laughs> come out i mean i could buy it for other people it is the spirit of giving i should be leaning into rather than the spirit of selfish giving well, to myself. I but was just gonna,
1: maybe there's like a swap group somewhere for somebody who got a Star Wars Instapot <gasps> and doesn't care and will like trade you.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm gonna get on my next door app right after we get off yes this recording and be like, um just so you know, I have a barely used, boring Instant Pot, and if somebody who is not a Star Wars fan has one of these, please to send my way. There you go.
1: You never know. There's somebody, you know, not everybody likes Star Wars. Not everybody wants to cook out of a droid. I don't understand those people, but I know they exist.
0: Well, I, I don't know how they get by in life by <laughs> not loving up on these R2-D2 BB-8 Instant Pots. So yeah, there you go. If you don't have one, and you've been thinking about getting one for yourself, or you know, a Star Wars person, and you can't think of what to get them for the holidays, because there's just too much, I feel like you will succeed and get a gold star if you get them an instant pot. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: all right let's see oh we have a lot of awards to talk about too we have so many catching up yeah because we haven't done news in a while is what happened here y'all like we just we only only have ever that much space and then it's been a minute since we've had time for news so let's see uh let's talk about i want to talk about the nomo awards first because that is the oldest one on this list And I was so excited to see this because mostly because I was thinking of you because your favoriteist won the novel of the year for the Nomo Awards, which are the um, announced by the African Speculative Fiction Society. And so yeah, Ekweka Amezi won for Freshwater. I
0: I was cheering very loudly in my little corner when I saw that because I've been talking up that book so much, and I feel like if it gets like. One more person to read it like my mischief managed. So exciting.
1: A Sharifa gets a star every time someone gets fresh water. I get my wings. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so just so read cool. it is what I'm saying. Everybody read it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And there's some ones that are unfamiliar to me on here as well that I'm excited, um, especially the novella, which is called The Firebird by Noreen Dorman. I definitely want to pick that up. And yeah. this was a good reminder for me. Shuri by Nnedi Okorafor and Leonardo Romero won for Best Graphic Novel. And I... I have been meaning to pick that up and haven't gotten to, around to it yet. So I was excited to hear that, you know, not only was it out in the world where I could read it, but that it's getting awards.
0: Yeah, I actually just started reading Shuri. I think they were actually, and it might still be the case now, they were on sale mm. for a while. Like if, you, if you're if you a Kindle reader, um, they were on sale. So I ended up picking it up that way. And it was really, it's so good. Like, I had a hard time putting it down. And, you know, in the way of comics, you've read so many before you even realize it. So <laughs> I would definitely pick it up. It's its very much if you want to sit around marathoning anything for a full day, that's a really good way to spend it mm. with those comics. So highly recommend, Shuri. Good to know. And I'm glad it won. Um, and let's see, we can talk about... The next one, I think, in age is the 2019 British Fantasy Awards winners. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of the books I'm going to talk about today was an award winner for this one and i'll probably just spoil it for myself anyway because you're gonna hear me talking about it in a few minutes <laughs> so it was the tea master and the detective by Elliot de bodard uh won for best novella. and now that i've actually read it i'm like very excited that it won and she's such an amazing writer anyway like i'm Just generally glad to see her win a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then so best fantasy novel was something I haven't read, The Bitter Twins by Jen Williams. I'm unfamiliar with that one. Same. Um, Yeah, but I'm always curious. I feel like with some of these international lists, maybe even like the last couple of years with the British fantasy awards now that I'm actually paying attention to them. I feel like with these specifically, I tend not to have read as many, which uh makes me curious about some of the books that maybe aren't as buzzy in the US as they are across the Mm pond. But there's also Best Horror novel, which is something I'm always looking at and interested in. It's Little Eve by Katriana Katriana Ward. Uh, which I also have not heard about and there's best short story and collection there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot of unfamiliar territory here so if you want to check it out and see if you recognize any of these books maybe you are in the UK and and you've come across them a lot more than perhaps I would have uh it's definitely one to check out and see if you want to fill in any holes with your international reading.
1: Yeah, I was super jazzed to see that Tasha Suri won the Best Newcomer Award for Empire of Sand, which the sequel just came out. And I love, I love that book so much. And I'm so excited for the sequel. And I just in the same way that like you are, you know, pushing your favorites, like I really want people to read that series. So so that made me really happy to see it win an award. I have to read that one. You do. I am one of the
0: people who has not read it. You do. You need to read it.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. And then that brings us to speaking of books that I've been yelling about at people to read. Uh, that brings us to the World Fantasy Awards, which were uh, announced just this earlier this month in November. And Witchmark by C.L. Polk won for Best Novel, which I, again, so excited to see. I love that book so much. And the sequel to that is coming out in mm, early 2020. And I have a galley, although I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm so excited. It is just one of my favorite reads of the last year. So it was delight. I mean, it was a it was a really tough slate, too. It was up against The Poppy War by RF Kuang. It was up against Trail of Lightning wow, and The Mirror yeah. Wife and In the Nightwood, like so many good books. And I'm not saying that like any of these are definitively better than the others. I'm just saying that that book is a delight to read, and everybody should read it
0: yeah um and then there's the novella category all of these books all of the nominations were like i would not have been able to guess at who was gonna win Mm -hmm. because like novella is also really strong like the black gods drums Mm -hmm. was on the list which i loved a lot the Tea master and detect the detective as well uh but what one was the privilege of the happy ending by Cage johnson yeah which I have to go read immediately now.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, there was and a- then there was... Oh, go ahead. I was just going <laughs> to say, I, I don't think I've ever seen a tie before.
0: Oh, right. There is a tie in short fiction. Yeah. The Ten Deals with the Indigo Snake by Mel Castle and Like a River Loves the Sky by Emma Torres. Both one. You're right. I wonder if this is the first time. I don't know. There's been so much. I feel like there's been... This is there has been a tie debacle already yes. this year. I think that this one will probably not be as controversial. as controversial as the Booker. so I think you're probably congratulations. Right. <laughs> congratulations to both of them. That's right and i I think that's it for our awards. Mm-hmm. You can check out the full lists, all three of them, and I think it's always a good thing at the end of the year to see what you may be missed in 2019. I know for me there are just so many books all the time that things obviously have to fall under the radar. So it's nice to to see these lists and to pick up where I left off if I missed anything.
1: Mhm. Same.
0: All right. Well, before we start talking about mysteries, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor, Which is another book I've been really excited about since uh, the first book in the series came out. The Queen of Nothing by Holly Black. This is from Little Brown Books for Young Readers. And they're the publisher of the Folk of the Air series by Holly Black. Sharpen your blade, harden your heart, journey to fairyland in the number one New York Times bestselling Folk of the Air trilogy. What started with the cruel prince and the wicked king finally ends with a jaw-dropping finale the queen of nothing. To win her place in the high court, of fairy Jude must risk her own life and defy the fae that despise her mortality. Caught between her ambition and her humanity, Jude will learn the meaning of true power in this explosive, dazzling series from award-winning author Holly Black. I loved the first book so much, and I actually have the third on my shelf, so I have to read the second one now. I was kind of waiting until it ended because... I was a little bit left on the edge of my seat with the first book, and I just wanted to know I was going to get through the whole thing. This is a fantastic series, especially if you like, you know, problematic sort of main characters that do things their way, even if it means doing some pretty dark and devious stuff, which is something I really, really love. This is a really great series to check out. And again, that's The Queen of Nothing by Holly Black. Thank you for sponsoring today's show.
1: I've had several friends nudging me about that series. I need to get on that one as well. You do. You'll love it. I, I think you'll love it. No, know. Ugh, so many books all the time. <laughs> it's so hard. It really is. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about some mysteries. Yes.
0: Uh, do you want to kick us off?
1: Okay, I will. I will talk about my science fiction pick first. And this is a book that I, I have talked about on other shows. I think I've talked about it on Get Booked a few times, but I, I somehow have managed not to talk about it on this show, which makes yeah. me sad because it's so good, so I'm happy to have an excuse. It's The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascarenas. And this book is a really interesting sort of alternate history in it, time travel is discovered in the late 1960s by four female scientists uh, working together in a cross-disciplinary team. Each has like a slightly different specialty, and they're all in the UK. And they're you know put together by the powers that be, and they actually do it. They invent time travel, and 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 this, that's where the story like kicks off. Is they've done it, they've figured it out, but and they're about to go public. And then one of them has a nervous breakdown, possibly as a result of the work. Um, but regardless, the one of the others is so afraid of what this might mean for their project that she convinces everybody to sort of like sweep it under the rug, to distance themselves from the woman who had the breakdown and like just kind of cut her out of the picture entirely so that the public won't think that there's anything potentially wrong with their discovery. And this is the moment, actually, at which I should give some trigger warnings. Um, I won't get into all of these in the description, but this book does include um, mental mental illness, uh, disordered eating, self-harm, and hazing. It's got some pretty serious stuff in it. Uh, So, okay. So, right. So, there's, you know, 50 years have gone by after the opening of this book uh, when time travel is discovered, and it's now a big business. It's ruled sort of by a corporation that follows its own laws, because how do you regulate time travelers from a governmental perspective. Like you just, how could you even do that? You kind of can't. So they are really autonomous and can do kind of whatever they want. And they have rules, but they're internally enforced rules. And one of the main characters, Ruby, is the granddaughter of the pioneer who was cut out of the picture. And she receives a mysterious newspaper clipping from the future reporting on the murder of an unidentified older woman. And then she happens to be like outside of the place where the murder goes down and meets a witness of the murder. And it's it is So this is a murder mystery, and it's a closed-door murder mystery. Like, the murder takes place. There's no gun. Nobody can figure out how it happened or who was there or what was going on. The woman mm-hmm. who discovers the body is a suspect, and it's all very confusing. And the book jumps around, because time travel, in time and space. So you meet different <laughs> versions of the characters at different points in In their lives based on which like time travel thing they're doing at the moment. And it's so interesting. And it's, it's very, how do I want to say this? It's very odd at first, because it's a little bit, I had a little bit of trouble keeping track of like, who was when but then it starts to click together and you get closer and closer to this amazing conclusion. And it's so satisfying the way it all fits together like a jigsaw puzzle. I just loved it. I thought it was so interesting and so innovative and such an interesting spin On the idea of time travel and how you would tell a story about time travel with all of these different threads and pieces, and you know, people going back in time and meeting themselves or meeting their descendants or you know, going forwards or how does that even work? Like it's all really cool the way that Kate Mascarenas has put this together. And then also, obviously, I love a women in STEM sci-fi novel, and this is a hundred percent that. It's really fantastic. There's a huge cast of mostly female characters. And there's also uh, issues of race and class involved. So I I just love all of the different bits and pieces that go into this. And as you might guess from the title, it really does dig into the psychological aspects of how it would affect you. If if you were a time traveler, if somebody, your family was a time traveler, like, what does that do to the brain and how do you cope with these ideas? So it's it's just fascinating. I loved it. Uh, so again, that's The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascarenas.
0: Yet one more time travel book that tells me if I ever see a time travel machine run in yeah. the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is, let's say, fraught is the word yeah. I <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, My science fiction pick is, as mentioned a little while ago, The Tea Master and the Detective by Aliette de Bodard. This is a novella. It's a really quick, really compelling read about this transport ship and her mysterious client. So... First of all, this is a world, and for a split second, because I kind of went into this book not knowing anything about it, so I was a little bit disoriented when they kept referring to this name. This is a world where ships are sentient, and there's a whole process they go through to be installed. It's all very surreal. And these ships need jobs to support themselves. They pay rent just like anybody else. So the Shadow's Child, and I was like, did I read this right? Like, who are they talking about? Why do they keep mentioning this ship? So the Shadow's Child is a sentient ship. It's the ship in question. And she isn't doing so hot. She, she kind of has to scrounge enough money together to pay rent. And there are certain jobs she's just not willing to take. And she's also dealing with some uh, PTSD from war and finds deep space really triggering. But she scrapes by by making these sort of tea blends for the comfort of space travelers because the human mind cannot traverse those deep spaces without the assistance of some other, you know, chemical outside element. So it's sort of like a potion, if you will. So then in walks this client, Long Chow, and she's kind of hard to get a read on but she's offering the shadow's child a chunk of money to help her traverse deep space and on the journey they find a body like a corpse that does not check out and long while long chow is set on solving the mystery of this body and the shadow's child is suddenly now involved in this mystery the shadow's child's also set on solving the mystery of long chow who's this sort of Um, inscrutable person who doesn't give much about herself away and the two of them do not hit it off right away long chow is this really cold steely character but the shadows child finds her fascinating and of course also wants to know who she suddenly developed a business relationship with and why long chow is so interested in this body And there were some Holmes and Watson type moments in the story that I really enjoyed as a Sherlock fan. Like I I really enjoy the opposites coming together to solve a mystery trope. And I thought that the dynamic between the Shadow's Child and Long Chow was really interesting. And I also loved how truly imaginative and unique the setup of this story is. This world of sentient ships and their cultural and political obligations, and the part they play in families, and how they're created—it was all really interesting. And the details are kind of kept brief because this is a, a novella; you can only you can only do so much exposition. But it was really well done. I had no trouble understanding where the Shadow's child was coming from once I realized she was a sentient ship. And I think you know we've talked up Aliette de Bodard on this show before. She really is a fantastic and really, really prolific writer. So if you've been wanting to check out her work, I think that this would make a really good introduction because it's a quick one. And it speaks to her style and her skills. And it also won a British Fantasy Award. So there you go. And again, I've been talking about The Tea Master and The Detective by Aliette de Bodard.
1: Love her. I was talking so about, fantastic. yeah, I was talking about another book in that series on the most recent SFF, yeah, Backlist to the Future, because it just, it's such a lush world and she's having so much fun playing around with it and telling all of these fascinating different stories. Ugh, mm, so great. So good. <laughs> so good. All right. So my fantasy mystery pick is Gideon the Ninth by Tam Zignor, which I I know Yay! we just talked about on the best of uh giving options show but i i don't think we talked so there's so much going on in this book it's really easy to talk about some parts of it and not others and i don't yeah. feel like we talked that much about the mystery aspect of this and it is in fact like a locked planet murder mystery <laughs> Like, with necromancy also. So, which you would think would actually make a murder mystery easier, right? Like, you have all of these people running around who can speak to the dead or reanimate them in various ways. So how on earth, you know, would it be hard for them to solve a mystery? Well, Tamsin Muir has figured out how to make it really (laughs) (laughs) hard. And I will give trigger warnings for blood and body horror. Like, there is so... This is such a gory book. It's kind of gross in several ways. Um, but it's also really really fun Uh, it follows Gideon the ninth as you might have expected from the title who is not a necromancer she is a swordswoman and she gets sort of tricked into helping out another character named Harrow go to this special planet where they're going to try to become immortal bodyguards of the emperor like god king as it were and they have to undergo these trials and they get there and all of these folks from the other houses because there are nine houses are there and they're not getting along and then people start turning up dead and then bodies start turning up that don't have explanations and they are increasingly sort of Trying to figure out, like, not only how to survive these very intense trials, but also how not to get murdered and, like, who who do they trust? Who do they not trust? And I loved how sort of Agatha Christie it felt in certain ways. And I also loved how Gideon, as our narrator, is, like, the least detective-y of all narrators of a murder mystery. (laughs) Like, she just... (laughs) She like cares that people are dying, but she is not like on a hunt, sleuthing around. She's just trying to stay alive, which really speaks to me because I am the kind of person who, when I read a murder mystery, i have no i never know who done it like I never guess correctly in advance, almost ever, and if I were in one of these situations, yeah, I would a hundred percent just trying to be like, stay alive. I would not be looking for clues. I would not be analyzing, you know, scuff marks on the floor or like who was moving around at breakfast versus who was moving around at dinner. Like, no, I would just be trying my best not to die, and assuming I had sword skills, like waving my sword around at anything that moved, which is kind of what Gideon (laughs) is doing. So, yeah, and it's also, it's got such fascinating character relationships, and I really love all of the different personalities at play, and there's some really unexpected friendships and feelings that come up, and it just, this book, you know, it really does just have so much going on. It's easy to recommend it for just all kinds of different things. But I do think especially sort of locked room murder mystery fans who also love a little bit grisly, gory sci-fi fantasy horror, but also space like you can there's again, there's so much (laughs) going on. There's just so much. So I think that, yeah, mystery fans who like a sort of out there story would also really dig this. It's just, it is just so much fun. It's so much fun. And so murdery though, y'all. Like, it is so (laughs) murdery. Oh, so again, that's Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir.
0: I'm so glad you brought up the mystery element of that book because I was totally taken by surprise by it because I didn't hear anything about the mystery part of it when I was first reading. But Oh, that book is so good. I'm so glad we're talking about it again. Yes. All right. My fantasy pick is an older book, actually. It's the first book in a YA fantasy series. It's Daughter of Smoke and Bone by Laney Ta- uh, Taylor. And this is more of a low key mystery. Like, it doesn't have, it's not so locked in the mystery genre, but there is an absolute mystery in this story. So, first of all, this the, the story follows Karu, who's this teen. She's very broody, very artistic. She's kind of an outcast, but she's... I, I don't know if this makes sense, but she's the cool kind of outcast. She's not necessarily, like, that awkward type. It's more that she's um, an artist and doing her own thing and a very solitary sort of person. But she's also dealing with this ex-boyfriend problem and she's hanging even further on the fringes because of the circle of friends of her ex-boyfriend and his admirers but the real problem Karu is having is the mystery of her origins and her family so as things stand she's living this sort of double life in Prague there's her life in the outside world when she's with her her puppet master friend zuzana and also attending art school and then there's her life at home among these strange creatures she draws in her notebook. And everybody, you know, thinks that the things she draws are so fantastic and so like from her imagination, but they're actual creatures in her real life. So Karu does know how strange it is that her guardians are in no way human, but she doesn't understand how she came to live with them and what the errands she runs for one of her guardians is about. Exactly. Or why her hair grows in blue. So these mysteries come to a head when these markings start appearing on doors around Prague. And when they arrive on Karu's doorstep, along with this angel from another world, all of this stuff, all of the unknown starts to reveal itself and the truth of who Karu is and why terrible things are happening across the world. Are, none of this is going to make Karu's life any easier, even though she really wants to know the truth. It's going to be a hard time for her. And I just thought the storytelling in Daughter of Smoke and Phone was so lush and so wonderful. I put Prague on my list of places I need to visit because I read this book. Nice. Because of the way it's just described so wonderfully in the story. It made it sound magical, and not just because of the actual fantasy elements involved, but it became the perfect backdrop for this story about this sort of artsy, subversive world Karu is navigating, so that even when you're reading about her life as a student, there's this air of mystery and coolness. And in addition to the mystery element, there's also... Uh, A star-crossed lover's trope. So there is romance. There are other storylines set in another world, including details about the angel Akiva's life. And these other storylines eventually intersect with Karu's to solve her mystery, and you don't solve it until the very end. And I just found the journey to solving the mystery of Karu really satisfying. I was very curious to find out what happened. And there are all sorts of weird, terrible adventures she gets herself into along the way. So this isn't... As you might have guessed, a mystery in the traditional whodunit sense. But if you do love an origin story mystery, this one might be a good fit. And I also thought it was notable that some- the book has some really great side characters. And my personal favorite was Karu's best friend, Zuzana, this puppet master who's also in the art scene. She's just this, like, tiny rivet head who makes amazing puppets and is the <laughs> most ride-or-die friend you can imagine. Uh, so, this has a lot of grim dark feels. So if you love a grim dark fantasy, definitely check it out. There's death, there's war, there's sabotage. It's very gritty. But the trilogy is also complete so you can read the whole series from start to finish, which is amazing. And there's even a standalone companion book called Night of Cake and Puppet what? for my fellow Susanna fans. And My final note is that the audiobook was really excellent if you're looking for something to listen to. So, again, that was Daughter of Smoke and Bone by Lainey Taylor. And that's it. Hooray! Yay! Mystery solved. Sort of. (laughs) Thank you for listening. You can email us as usual at sffyat at bookriot.com. And please do review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, see your feedback, and it helps people find us. You can find us online. I'm on Instagram at Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B
1: Williams. How about you, Jen? I am on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. That's J-E-N-N-I-R-L, Jen with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter just as Jen IRL. And that's it for us. Thanks for listening.